Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Welcome. You're listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast. The show that cuts through the fog of war and updates you about the ongoing conflict in Ukraine. Don't forget to like, comment and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Google Podcasts. Hello, I'm Marina Yevshan, co-host of the Russia-Ukraine War Report podcast, and today is January the 11th, 2024. It's been 3,636 days since Russia's illegal occupation of Crimea on January 27, 2014, and one year and 321 days since Russia expanded its war of aggression against Ukraine. Today's podcast looks at events that happened yesterday. During the podcast, you can use a Russia-Ukraine war map to help you visualize the areas discussed. And there is a link in the podcast description. There have been updates to the line of conflict in the last 24 hours. The Russia-Ukraine war report is compiled by our team from around the world. Today's report includes information from our direct contacts and journalists in Ukraine, the Russian Ministry of Defense and the Ukrainian General Staff of the Armed Forces of Ukraine morning reports, operational commands north, south and east of Ukraine, open-source intelligence, our in-house team of analysts and geospatial experts, and pro-Ukrainian and pro-Russian mail bloggers and social media channels with a track record of trying to be accurate. We have one mission – the truth, because the truth matters. Let's start with the daily assessment. 1. In our assessment, the Russian fall-winter offensive of 2023, which started on October the 4th, has culminated without achieving any operational or strategic goals. 2. We maintain it is unlikely that the United States will provide additional military or financial aid to Ukraine in 2024. 3. The continued impasse in the United States Congress to provide additional military aid to Ukraine and the passive response to Russian kinetic and hybrid aggression is contributing to Russia's expanding access with North Korea and Iran and global hybrid warfare. 4. We maintain the armed forces of Ukraine are facing critical ammunition shortages that are directly impacting the ability to maintain existing defensive lines. 5. We maintain that Ukrainian forces no longer have the combat potential to engage in any offensive operations, and Russian troops are capable of additional tactical success and achieving limited operational goals. 6. The reduction in Ukrainian combat potential is a direct result of blocked aid from the United States and the European Union. 7. Russian forces have established an operational objective to capture Chasivyar, west of Bakhmut. 8. Russian commanders have put mission objectives over all other considerations and are committed of capturing the Avdiivka salient, regardless of the cost. 9. We maintain that combat that closely resembles World War I trench warfare versus 21st-century combined arms maneuver warfare will continue through meteorological winter, which ends on February 29, 2024. 10. While the possibility of an intentional nuclear accident caused by Russian occupiers at the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant remains low, 
the threat should be taken seriously. We are very troubled by the latest report from the International Atomic Energy Agency and the lack of international attention. In the Kupiansk area of operation, or AO, in Kharkiv region, Russia continued to attack Ukrainian positions north of Sinkivka, with no change to the situation. Ukrainian educational officials have started building underground schools, including in Kharkiv, where the first facility is expected to open in March. Demonstrating the need for underground civilian infrastructure, Russia struck the city of Kharkiv with three S-300 anti-aircraft missiles used for a ground attack or North Korean-sourced KN-23 short-range ballistic missiles. An auto dealership, factory and the Park Hotel were hit. There were 30 guests at the hotel, with 11 wounded. I'll provide more information about the attack in the War Crimes and Human Rights section of today's podcast. Northwest of Kremina in Luhansk region, positional fighting continued east of Terny, near the Luhansk-Donetsk administrative border. Southwest of Kremina, the Russian Ministry of Defense, or Armored, claimed that Ukrainian forces were on the offensive south of Dibrova. Next, let's talk about the Donbass. In the Siversky Russian forces continued their attempts to advance north from Bilohorivka, that's the one in Donetsk region, in the direction of Vyimka, without success. The operational goal is to flank Ukrainian troops in Vesele. Further south, in the Bakhmutayo, numerous Russian sources reported that offensive operations continued on the edge of Bogdanivka, and intense fighting was ongoing in Hromove. Russian mail blogger Two Majors reported that despite holding an artillery advantage, Ukrainian forces couldn't be pushed out of their defensive lines. Southwest of Bakhmut, geolocated video, including one potentially recorded today, confirmed that Russian forces had advanced to the western edge of the Duchess, southwest of Bakhmut, in the direction of Ivanivske. Based on the new Open Source Intelligence, or OSINT, the line of conflict and gray area was adjusted further west. We link to the video in our daily situation report. There's more information in the podcast description on how you can become a subscriber. In the Klishivka AO, positional fighting continued north and east of Klishivka and east and southeast of Andreevka, with no change in the situation. While southwest Donetsk remains the area with the most intense fighting, the number and intensity of Russian attacks are significantly lower compared to December. Fighting continued in the Avdivka AO, with no change to the line of conflict or gray area. On the northern flank, Russian forces continued their attempts to advance toward Novobakhmutivka without success. There were no reports of fighting near Stepove, with both Ukrainian and Russian sources confirming that Ukrainian troops control the village. Positional fighting continued northeast of the Avdivka coke plant compound. A prominent Russian mail blogger reported that fighting restarted in the industrial district on the southeastern edge of Avdivka. On the southern flank, positional fighting continued in the no-man's land between Vodyane and Severne, in the eastern part of Pervomaiske, and east of the Ukrainian firebase at Nevelske. A graphic video geolocated on the northern edge of Vodyane showed Russian light infantry forces under attack by drone-delivered IEDs. You can watch the video by becoming a subscriber to our Patreon. There is more information in the podcast description. 
In the Marinkayo, Russian forces continued their attacks east of Georgievka near the fishing pond dam. Russian sources reported that there was fighting in the area of Pobeda. The reports may be in reference to a failed Russian armor advance between Pobeda and Novomikhailovka. On the subject of Novomikhailovka, in the Vogladaryo, Russian forces launched significant attacks south and east of Novomikhailovka. There was no change to the line of conflict, but a lot of families in Russia can look forward to a new Lada in the driveway. A new geolocated video shows that Russian forces have advanced west of Solotka. This isn't a recent event, and the map change is due to the new verified OSINT. In the Khersonio, fighting continued in the forests south of Krynke and on the edge of the settlement. More Russian male bloggers complained about Russian losses and questioned the tactics of Colonel General Mikhail Teplinsky. However, they used careful language to skate the edge of Russia's so-called don't-say-war laws. Russian male blogger Asetian wrote, quote, Everything would be fine and normal, but there are some bananas on our side who did not learn from past mistakes and race equipment to Krynke. Just so you understand, 90% of the equipment that goes there does not return. So, the question arises for those who drive in there. Are you so stupid that you can't understand that there is no place for military equipment in Krynke? Unquote. They get so close to understanding the situation and yet remains so far away. Russian propagandist Alexander Slatkov also danced around the subject, but acknowledged that the reports are, quote, concerning. Russian sources reported that the illegitimate governor of occupied Kherson, Gauleiter Vladimir Salda, would be relieved from his post after the power grid collapsed in occupied Kherson on January the 8th. But his removal would provide a political victory to Kyiv. Of the five occupation governors, Salda is by far the least popular, and this isn't the first time that his potential dismissal has been discussed within the Russian information space. Here is the update for the Russian front. The Russian Ministry of Defense reported that Ukrainian drones attacked the Rostov, Tula, Kaluga, Voronezh, Volgograd, Belgorod and Saratov regions. Drone debris reportedly landed on a pumping station on the outskirts of Kaluga, with Russian officials claiming there was damage to a building. Two drones were reportedly shot down over the Engels military airfield outside of Saratov. It is unknown if there was any damage. In Moscow, a plastics factory in the Abukhovy district caught on fire for unknown reasons. The factory makes polymers that are used to produce footwear, helmets, body armor and other protective materials for Russian soldiers, and the owners are under sanction. You know how you know the Russian fall and winter offensive is coming to an end? Ukraine was accused of attacking the breakaway Moldovan Republic of Transnistria. The self-declared Ministry of State Security of Transnistria claimed there was a border incident with the use of firearms, and Ukraine took two residents into custody. The State Border Service of Ukraine disputed the claim. Spokesperson Andriy Demchenko accused Transnistria of a provocation, saying, The statement of the so-called PMR is provocative in order to accuse Ukraine of something. 
Besides, we understand that this enclave has a pro-Russian orientation. Let's talk about theater-wide events. The deputy commander of the Territorial Guard Forces of Ukraine, Brigadier General Sergei Sobko, announced he was resigning but gave no reason. In his letter he thanked military commanders for the opportunity and said he was proud of his work in the creation and development of the Territorial Guard. The Freedom of Russia Legion announced that the deputy commander for civil military cooperation, Maximilian Andronikov, has been suspended pending an investigation into statements he made about other volunteer organizations. Andronikov, who goes by the call sign Caesar, was one of the leaders of the border incursions into Belgorod in June 2023. The coordinator for strategic communications of the United States National Security Council told reporters that Russia used North Korean-sourced KN-23 SRBMs for a third time on January 6. The first deputy prime minister of defense of Ukraine, Lieutenant General Alexander Pavluk, told reporters that Ukrainian pilots, technicians and ground crews are currently training in five different countries. The training includes teaching new fighter pilots and certifying trained pilots in the operation of the F-16. Others are taking English language classes in the United Kingdom, Canada and the US. The European Commissioner for Domestic Markets, Thierry Breton, told reporters that he was confident that EU would be able to deliver the remainder of the promised 1 million artillery shells, approximately 650,000, by the spring of 2024. If true, that would be enough ordnance to support 93 days of operations. Lithuania announced it was providing Ukraine with a 200 million euro military aid package that includes unspecified ammunition, generators, mine-clearing equipment and explosives, and M577 armored personnel carriers. Despite Hungary's public opposition, the EU Parliament will move forward with approving 50 billion euros of macro-financial assistance for Ukraine. Hungary did not veto the vote. The final decision on how much aid will be provided is expected on February 1. What's happening in the land of Mobix, mobilization and Mir? The commander of the Russian 3rd Radio Engineering Regiment of the 4th Guards Combined Arms Army, Colonel Vadim Ismagilov, was killed in action on January 4 in occupied Crimea. Ismagilov was at a Russian command post near Sevastopol when it was hit by at least one Storm Shadow cruise missile. He is the first Russian officer confirmed killed in the attack, which reportedly killed 13 people. Ukrainian forces captured four Russian soldiers near Marienka, including a contract soldier from Somalia. The African carried a Somalian passport and did not speak Russian or Ukrainian. His paperwork from the Russian Ministry of Defense showed he had been in Ukraine for less than a month. A Moscow court ordered the head of the Klimovsky boiler house, Alexander Chikov, a colonel and general director of the Klimovsky ammunition factory, Igor Kushnikov, and the deputy administrator of the factory, former bodyguard to President Vlad the Impaler Putin, Roman Ryazantsev, held in custody for 60 days. Chikov and Kushnikov are facing criminal charges for performing work or providing services that do not meet safety requirements, and Ryazantsev has been charged with abuse of power.
The three are being held responsible for an incident at the Klimovsky ammunition factory that knocked out heat and hot water service to over 21,000 people. At the time of publication, service had still not been fully restored. In Moscow, the Ministry of Internal Affairs is looking for a contract soldier who is accused of desertion from Crimea. The picture shows a man of African descent with the name Nicholas Jackson. Jackson is a contract soldier with the 27th Separate Guards Motor Rifle Brigade. His country of origin is unknown. The first deputy chairman of the State Duma Defense Committee, State Duma Deputy Alexei Zhuravlyov, asked the military prosecutor's office to investigate claims that Serbian contract soldiers are being abused by their Russian commanders. What's Vlad the Impaler doing to tighten his grip on power? Let's talk about the ongoing Putin purge. A priest of the Russian Orthodox Church, Alexei Minsky, has been summoned to church court for refusing to recite a prayer for victory of Holy Russia during church services. Russian military propagandist Rybar wrote that several Russian mill bloggers are targets of an investigation for discrediting the Russian Federal Armed Forces and lamented that propagandists could no longer spread non-Kremlin-approved propaganda. We find it very ironic that propagandists are upset because they are being told they can only spread Moscow-approved distortions. Quote, Since the end of 2023, information campaigns and turning public opinion against individuals have become the main weapons. After the destruction of Prigozhin's media companies, a gradual distribution of areas of responsibility began, and the screws were tightened. Uncontrolled resources that retain the ability to self-organize and coordinate have become dangerous. This point of view is systematically promoted in the corridors of high offices. And if these bloggers and military correspondents continue to highlight existing problems, be it Krynke, facts of hazing, corruption or the incompetence of individual commanders, then they must be completely silenced unless they promote the desired agenda. In the end, from the point of view of representatives of individual law enforcement agencies conducting an effective military defense, the root of all evil is the military correspondents and military bloggers. Unquote. In our war crimes and human rights section, we sometimes discuss human suffering, torture and abuse. There are no graphic descriptions in today's podcast. In August, we reported that two Russian soldiers were under investigation for the kidnapping, assault and murder of a teenage girl in occupied Luhansk. The deputy commander of the 74th Separate Motor Rifle Brigade and Hero of Russia recipient, Lieutenant Colonel Irek Magasumov, has been charged with murder and hooliganism. Kremlin watchers were shocked that Magasumov was facing a possible murder conviction. Ukraine has launched the I Want to Find project for families looking for captured Russian military personnel. Family members will be able to contact Ukrainian officials through Telegram to learn if a family member has been killed in action and Russia is refusing to accept the return of the body or is a prisoner of war. After a Russian bomb accidentally hit an apartment tower in occupied Rubizhne, Russian security officials used the incident to conduct filtration exercises. 
Over 300 people had their apartments and homes searched without warrants, and dozens of people were interrogated. Russian officials set up checkpoints to process people forced to evacuate and scan their electronic devices. The missile attack on Kharkiv that struck the Pak Hotel wounded two international reporters for a Turkish news agency. The United Nations Office for the Coordination of Human Affairs issued a report indicating that 40% of Ukraine's population, 14.6 million people, will require humanitarian aid in 2024. And that's what we know. Your support of my home, Ukraine, helps us make history and protect the future for all. You've been listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast. To help keep us independent, please consider providing financial support by becoming a patron. Want on-demand news in your hand? Download the Google News app and make Malcontent News one of your favorites to receive breaking news updates. Thank you for listening.